the country of Moab. So the context, it's the days when the judges ruled. And if you've read the book of Judges, which is placed just before the book of Ruth in your Bible, it's the time where the likes of Samson and Gideon were engaging in those great battles. In the background of this action and bloodshed, we have the story of Ruth. It was a time when the Israelites, God's people of old, were not actually doing very well in their relationship with the Lord. In fact, there's a, there's a broad summary right at the end of the book of Judges. The last verse of Judges says this, In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Everyone running their own show. Everyone doing whatever they like. Doesn't sound too dissimilar from our day, actually, does it? We see in Ruth chapter 1 that there's famine in the land and one of God's people, this Israelite Elimelech, he takes his family, his wife and the two boys out of Bethlehem in Judah. And if you've been exposed to the Bible, you hear Bethlehem in Judah and you think, wasn't that where Jesus was born? Anyway, Elimelech, he takes his family to this place, Moab. Not exactly uh, the sort of place an Israelite would normally go. A foreign and perverse nation. Seemingly, they're planning to stay just for a little while to wait out the famine. And at a surface level, and it is Father's Day, isn't it? You think, well, he's being a good dad and a good husband, isn't he? There's a famine, take your family elsewhere, seems to make sense. But when we look back through the Old Testament and to the books that come before the the book of Ruth, like Exodus, the story of uh, God's people of old being rescued from slavery in Egypt to be made into a nation that they might worship the Lord, The book of Deuteronomy, that great long sermon from Moses as the people are about to enter the promised land. The book of Joshua, where they actually enter the promised land. We read those and we see what God has been doing with his people. And we see the importance of land and how God used that as a blessing for his people. Leaving God's place for Elimelech, is a dumb idea. Perhaps there was another option. Perhaps this famine in the land was due to the sin of God's people and what they needed to do was bow the knee to repent and say sorry. I don't know if you, there's a, there's a, he's a Queenslander, Graham Goldsworthy. He's, he's written a, a, a book that's been sort of formative for lots of people. And, and from that, it's often said, uh, God's kingdom, uh, it's described this way, as God's people in God's place under God's rule. So there's Adam and Eve in the beginning. Uh, Adam and Eve, God's people, in God's place, the Garden of Eden, living under his loving leadership. But they failed to trust God's good word and so they were kicked out of God's place and sin spread. And so we live in this world that is, 
that is carnage. It's your sin and mine, but it's, it's this world that we live in too. And then from Genesis chapter 12, God makes these promises to a bloke, Abraham, uh, the promise of blessing, land, people and blessing. And so begins this movement in the big Bible storyline of these, these people that God has chosen that they might be brought into this promised land. Leaving God's place, the promised land, for the Israelites of old. This is not just like uh, moving to another town to take up some good opportunity. No, moving away from the promised land was to doubt God as provider. The Lord won't care for me. It was to move on to the gods of another nation. The Lord doesn't seem to be providing, so I'm going to move on. I'm going to seek security someplace else. Peace and security someplace else. And so not just moving to another place, but moving away from the Lord, the God who rescued his people to live in relationship with him. Oh, by the way, you know, don't you, God's people of old, they were to live separately from all of the other nations because they were to be different, set apart, distinct, holy to him, in character looking like God. And the nations that were surrounding, the nations that were looking on would have noticed God's people as different and God was to use this to bring them in. But for this to happen, it was also important that they didn't intermarry with the nations that surrounded them. If they did, they were likely to turn from the Lord and worship other gods. They would no longer be different. They would no longer be distinct, set apart. And the people were instructed not to intermarry in Deuteronomy chapter 7. So the book of Ruth doesn't get off to a great start. Elimelech takes his family out of God's place, the promised land, and he leads them to Moab, a foreign and perverse land where he thinks the grass is greener. Let's continue verse 3 to 5. We read, Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth, After they had lived there about 10 years, both Marlon and Kilion also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. It's full on, isn't it? A man thinking the grass is greener in another place outside of God's promised land he arrives there with his family and the the very first thing that we're told is that he dies and we have his two sons they're living in this place Moab where they shouldn't be and it would have been hard finding an Israelite girl in a foreign land so they marry Moabites and both boys die what a mess And on the surface, we say, well, fair enough, there's famine in the land. Go somewhere else, buddy. But in the light of God's word, their actions are not wise. As members of God's family, their actions are are foolish and disobedient. They've failed to trust God's good word. 
And if we're to reflect just now, you know, it's thousands of years later and Jesus has come since this time, but we reflect for ourselves, we all make bad decisions from time to time, don't we? But often it's because we're not trusting God's word or we don't even look to him for instruction on, on how to live. I'll do it my way. I'll do it my way, thanks God. Now, that, I love that psalm. It's often printed on the, the front of Bibles. Uh, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The God who made us, the God who loves us, he says, this is how I want you to live. I have your best interests at heart. And we say, I won't trust you with this God. I won't trust you with this person, with this thing, this challenge, whatever it is. Anyway, the bad decisions have been made. Elimelech is dead. His two boys are dead. And Naomi is left to deal with the consequences. And this is where the flow of the the book changes. We see God's purposes for his people. We see God's sovereign care and compassion. Look from verse 6. I'll read. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take her back to the land of Judah. Oh, well, you're in Moab and word gets round, doesn't it? The Lord's providing for his people and and so she turns back. Finally, a a good decision is being made. In verse 8, as Naomi, Orpah and Ruth, as they're heading to Judah, journeying to the promised land, we see Naomi, the bad evangelist. Do you notice this? Go back, each of you, to your mother's home, she says. Orpah and Ruth are are not really keen on that idea and they reply with tears, we'll go where, we'll go back with you, your people, we'll go back with your people. But even that is not good enough for Naomi and so she explains exactly why it's a bad idea. See verse uh, 11 to 15, Naomi pretty much says, She can offer them no security, which she can't. She doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have any boys that that they can marry, and she never will. She says, uh, go back to to your people, go go back to your gods, where at least there is some hope. Uh, Naomi gets what it's like to be a, a widow in a foreign land in their time and in their culture. No husband and and no son meant no support, no family to look after them. At least, at the very least, if if Orpah and Ruth go home, there'll be a chance of getting married. And it's not as though Naomi doesn't care about these, these women. In verse 11, 12 and 13, she calls them her daughters. She loves them. They're her family. But she thinks their best chance is to leave her and and go home. Orpah's convinced and Ruth isn't. Remember when I started my electrical apprenticeship years ago in Canberra, 
Uh, one of the blokes that I began working with on a construction site, he, early on he said to me, you don't want to do this, mate. <laughs> Get out while you can. Uh, he, he obviously didn't like his job very much. You, you, you imagine uh, saying this to, to one of your not yet Christian friends. Or, or if you're not yet a believer, you, you imagine your Christian friend saying this to you, oh, look, you're, better. you're much better off staying as you are. Uh, you, you know? You're not, God's not really going to meet your needs. This is pretty much what Naomi says. But how does Ruth respond? It's just wonderful. Verse 16 to 18, she doesn't listen. (laughs) But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. That's full on, isn't it? And then she says, may the Lord deal with me. And she says, Lord, as in Yahweh, the personal name of God. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realised she was, you know, there's no talking her out of this, she stopped trying. Ruth is determined, loyal to Naomi. She pledges her loyalty, though, not just to Naomi, but also to the people of God and also to the Lord himself, even to the point of death. And that's what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Allegiance to God and his people unto death. This is Ruth turning away from the people and gods of Moab and turning to the Lord and his people. Uh, we saw the, the, what was it Clancy said or Jack said, the, the turnaround, the roundabout, the repentance of the Thessalonians some weeks ago, and this is Ruth doing the same. It's Ruth looking to find her rest with the Lord and his people, her peace and security in the Lord and his people, and it is a massive deal. A massive deal. In some sense, a journey into the unknown, leaving her family, her home, her past to become one of God's children. And it sounds a lot like what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. You see, this is Ruth losing her life to the God of the Bible. I'm not my own, I belong to God. Losing control of her life, I don't call the shots anymore. Handing over to the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love. Is this going to go well? The journey into the unknown. We'll see as the book progresses. But it's, sure, it's a big deal for Ruth, but, but also for Naomi. 
The second half of verse 13 gives us a good insight. Naomi says, No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. Now, that is a, that is a heavy thing to say, isn't it? And Naomi has had it tough. She, she's, she's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. Living in a foreign land as a widow, feeling God's judgment on her, Naomi is a bitter old woman. And I want to say, fair enough, Naomi. It sucks. But despite the way she's feeling, she returns to the Lord. Just look, verse 19 to 21. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Sounds like the lost son returning in some ways, doesn't it? Don't call me Naomi, she said to them. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, which means pleasant? Nothing pleasant about this girl. The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. The last 10 years have taken their toll. But when we look more closely, you know, not at a glance, all that she says is not completely true. Look again, verse 21. Has she really come back empty? Now, I wonder how Ruth would feel about that statement. Naomi is held up by some as an example, the hero of chapter 1. But she looks pretty ordinary, doesn't she? Trying to send her daughter-in-laws away from the Lord and his people, bitter. But she is heading back to the Lord. And as chapter 1 closes, there's a glimmer of hope. We see that the barley harvest... Is beginning. Chapter 1 of Ruth, a reminder that there can be a real temptation to doubt God's goodness. When things are difficult, we can question whether or not God is caring for us. It's that temptation to go somewhere else for peace and security. And we may want to run our own show instead of trusting God's good word questioning whether he is compassionate, whether he is welcoming, whether he is in control. Can can I just encourage you? Hebrew narrative is so subtle to us, really. Can I encourage you to be reading Ruth over the next few weeks and be asking those questions? What does this show me about God? This God that I'm looking to worship. And, and, And as we're about to celebrate the Lord's Supper... We see in Ruth a model of discipleship. Where you go, I will go, she said. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my people. Where you die, I will die. A big part of being a Christian is handing our lives over, entrusting ourselves wholly to God, losing control of our lives to him. And I wonder if as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together now, 
uh, we might be reminded of that. Uh, let's, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful narrative uh, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the, the book of Ruth. Uh, and Lord, we thank you for what it shows us about you uh, and about us. Lord, we're conscious that we, like Elimelech, have these tendencies to not trust your good word. Uh, and Lord, for this we're sorry. We're sorry for doing as we see fit instead of trusting your loving faithfulness. Lord, we thank you that Jesus came and lived the perfect life, that he trusted the Father and that he died in our place, that our, our sin, our rejection of you might be forgiven. We thank you that he didn't stay dead, but three days later he rose. And we thank you that even now he's sitting at your right hand interceding for us. Lord God, forgive us, we pray. And we ask that even if we may be on the bitter end, that you would help us come to you this afternoon. Help us see, Lord, that in you there is hope and security. And we give ourselves to you now. Lord, we surrender our lives to you that we might live under your loving leadership for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.